Welcome to High Energy Health, where together we explore the leading edge of wellness and happiness. I'm your host, Dawson Church. By choosing this time together, you're declaring your commitment to a positive mindset, elevated emotions, and a great life. Thanks for joining me for today's episode. Hello and welcome to High Energy Health. My name is Dawson Church and I love sharing with you every week on the show. There are so many positive things going on and this show is one of those places where you can find solutions to all kinds of issues that would otherwise perplex you and compromise your quality of life. I was speaking to a really well-known Buddhist meditation teacher earlier this week and he was saying that one of the things that really fills his heart sometimes is seeing people suffer unnecessarily. And if you are a meditator, if you're using other stress reduction tools, tapping energy medicine, time in nature, there are so many clinically proven epigenetic strategies that literally shift your gene expression for the better. If you're using all of those things, like this meditation teacher was doing, then you watch people who are struggling and you realize there are all these solutions and your heart just longs to see them have those solutions. And this is one of those places where you can get those and hear, hear about them, be inspired by them. You also know that I often will challenge you on high energy health to apply what you're hearing here. Sometimes I'll just interrupt our guests and I'll say, okay, now people make notes, <laughs> write this down. And you'll hear me turn it into an active learning experience because research shows that when you take notes, when you use the powers in your mind to focus on how to apply this to your life, all kinds of changes start to happen in your world. So I encourage you to listen that way and also fill your life with positive input because there are so many negative messages out there. I know I am not immune to the news and there's plenty of the bad news out there, but there's really interesting research. In fact, there was a study published about a month ago and it used the term inoculation use the same term from epidemiology, the study of infectious disease. It used the same term inoculation to describe the effects of meditation on the brain and on the mind. It found that people who are meditating, people who are using EFT tapping, people who are active in their own self-care actually have a insulation around them and they are not affected emotionally by all the bad news circulating out there that the people who aren't using those practices are affected by. So I encourage you to inoculate yourself. You can't stop all the chaos in the world. You certainly can stop all the chaos in the world from infecting your own sense of well-being and compromising your quality of life, which again is going to have a knock-on effect on your health. There's so much research now showing the epigenetic effects of these well-being practices on gene expression and also that if people don't have those well-being practices, again, changes to gene expression, but adverse changes associated with increased disease burden, increased disease risk, and shorter lifespan. So this is the place you go. High Energy Health, this is the place you go to get those great messages and to apply them. Make sure you bookmark the site. Make sure you come here regularly. Also, I really want to ask you to go to our archives and share shows 
with people who need them. If you have a friend who's suffering from depression or anxiety or traumatic stress or struggling with money or family or relationships or work or a health issue, we have all kinds of shows in our archives that have practical solutions for them. So please be compassionate. Go in there and email those links to people you know could use them. Share the wealth of high energy health with people you know. That altruistic act alone, research shows, produces genetic change. It is going to light up several genes that are useful for your own health and well-being. So be one of those people in the world who is sharing the sense of there being these resources, who's sharing the sense of taking care of oneself, self-care, who's sharing all of the wonderful techniques we have nowadays with other people. You really are doing the world a gift giving the world a gift, doing others good when you do that. So share the information on high energy health. Make sure you immerse yourself in this information regularly. And again, apply what you hear on the show to your own health and well-being. My guest today is Sally Fryer Beats. She's an expert in child development. She has a doctorate in physical therapy. She's the author of a book called Sensory Processing Solutions. The subtitle is Drug-Free Therapies to realize your child's potential. And I should also add, you will find plenty in there to realize your potential as well as your child's potential. She has two boys, each with distinct learning styles, and especially her eldest son helped her really come to understand what these styles are and how to address the differences that you might find in children. She's also an advocate for finding natural solutions to allowing every child to succeed naturally. Sally, it is a joy to have you on the show. Well, thank you so much for having me. So you got into this because you had to. <laughs> well, I've always been involved in pediatrics and I love children, I degree in child development as well as physical therapy. But when my oldest child was five and started to do things, he was always great in my eyes, but he did things that were not necessarily the teacher's best line of vision. I kind of had to start looking at what was really going on with him. And there's a difference between being a mother and a therapist and having your own child. And really, he ended up being my greatest teacher and sort of spurred me to learn all different kinds of things that could really help him and other kids just like him really bring out the very best in him. That's wonderful. Yeah. And, and again, to have that kind of mindset rather than say, oh, this is a problem. How do we fix it? is is really powerful and so i just want to say to, to all of those listening notice how sally approached her challenges here of course she was very well informed because of her professional background but she asked herself the, those open questions rather than immediately rushing to conventional answers so what were some of the first things you did and the first insights you uncovered well when i when my the teacher first came to me and said that he didn't like to write and do some of the more educationally focused skills, I was I was kind of shocked. I hadn't seen any of those things myself. And being a child developmental expert, I was kind of looking for that. But at home, he was very comfortable in his own skin. He could learn easily. He was you know clearly very bright and, and did lots of things, but wasn't performing in the way that the teachers thought he should. So she asked me to go to a pediatrician and she said, at that time, you can't do this anymore. But at that time, she said he might have attention deficit which isn't appropriate for a teacher to say, but but she did. I went to the pediatrician. He said, well, let's just try him on a stimulant. And I was 
married to a physician at the time. And there was a lot of pressure for that. And I was kind of a little taken aback. So the first thing I did after that was to get a second opinion. That person said I needed to take him out of the school where he was in, which was a Montessori school. So he was, you know, had a lot of freedom to learn. And that didn't feel right to me either. So I took him for a third second opinion to a developmental pediatrician who suggested not just a stimulant, but he probably needed an antidepressant as well. So uh, doubling I, down on the, on the pharmaceuticals. Yeah. <laughs> so, so anyway, I opened my practice. I had been in San Francisco for years before. That's where I grew up. I'd worked in the Learning and Development Center in San Francisco, associated with the hospital where I worked. And I knew there were other therapies available. The only therapy that had been suggested at the time was occupational therapy, but it was for handwriting, not for underlying sensory processing things that were, as, you know, turned out were really getting in the way of how he was learning. So I, there was nobody in Dallas where I had moved doing sensory integration therapy. So I opened my practice for kids like him with a sensory integration focus. And that's really where we began our you know journey and you know learning how to bring out the very best in him let's take a step backward here and let's talk about sensory processing before we talk about sensory integration so what is sensory processing and what are the different styles that we use that we have as human beings so all of us have to develop along the same developmental lines we all have to take an information from our environment and make sense of it and we do this you know kind of taking it for granted because it just comes naturally to a certain degree for everyone. For some people, there are things that can get in the way of how you process that information. And when that happens, it can interfere with your sense of well-being. It can interfere with how you learn and how you process information. It can interfere with your social skills and how you relate to other people because you're not filtering the information accurately in a way that you can really make sense of it. So as an outside observer looking in, these kids can look, you know, very disorganized or not interested in things or, you know, very self-centered and, you know, focused on things other than what is expected of them. And not just with children, but adults have the same issues. It just as an adult, we have more active choices available to us that we may have learned about along the way, seeking other tools like meditation or exercise or, you know, lots of different ways that we can help ourselves to feel more comfortable in our skin. But with young children, they don't have that experience yet. And way too often they get misinterpreted or get in trouble or begin to withdraw from the very activities that can help them the most because they're not feeling success. So they actually are then withdrawing from activities to help most. Give us an example of that. So, for example, exercise is a great way to help integrate your body and have it be more coordinated. The effect on your central nervous system with your the dopamine and serotonin levels and, you know, feeling good about yourself. If you are not processing, for example, vestibular information very well, that can make you be not very coordinated. And if you're not very coordinated, you might not want to participate in physical activities, where is the approach that we take is let's work with the body to help it to become more coordinated so we have more options available to do those activities that can help support the nervous system, be more attentive, and be able to you know feel better in your skin. 
So, you know, it's not atypical to see children withdraw from, say, physical activities that, you know, really could help them in the bigger picture throughout their entire life, not just even in childhood. And then what are some other styles of sensory processing that we can look out for and, and look, look for in ourselves? So when we look at learning, there's three sensory systems that really pay, play a very important part. And that is your vestibular system, which is how you process movement where your body is in space. There's the proprioceptive system that processes information through the joints and the muscles in the body. And there's the tactile system, how you process touch, either perceived touch or actual touch. So those three sensory systems form a pyramid and they all relate to each other. So if you're weak in, say, vestibular processing, you're going to need more of the proprioception or the tactile to help balance out that you know pyramid or that triangle. When you don't have the right kind of balance between all of those things, it it actually can interfere with all different aspects of your life. And if we all sat down and really thought about it, we all probably have a few little glitches in some of those things. It's not like you either have this or you don't. Everybody has to process information in one way or another. So if you're weak in some areas, there may be some things that you can do to help to support that, to have life be a lot easier for you. Give us an example of somebody who has, say, a weakness, notices it, and then what strategy they might use to overcome that. So, you know, it depends on the age that you're working with. If you're dealing with children, we don't ever want to just force things on kids from a therapeutic standpoint, but we want to prepare an environment where a child actually has choices within that environment to explore their bodies in different ways. For example, a child that doesn't, that vestibular system is such an important one. So we see that certainly a lot. That's one of the more obvious ones to pick up on with the balance and coordination and motor planning problems. You would prepare an environment that allows them to move their body through space in different ways. So we have lots of hanging obstacle courses or climbing walls or zip lines that not that children, you're just going to put them on there and have them do those things, but they have to be able to seek them out in a safe way and experience that movement through space to be able to record it in their nervous system. For an adult who has a lot of sensory processing issues, they may may retreat socially. We'll see that a great deal where the world can be almost overwhelming because to go out in you know public around lots of people may be just way too stimulating. There could be issues in your body awareness and where your body is in space, or it could be a perceived touch. We've seen a huge influx since COVID, you know, with all the isolation that people were experiencing and then the anxiety that came with being fearful of getting sick or or whatever. So a lot of these things were really exacerbated in, in adults where maybe they were functioning fairly well before, but now they find themselves more locked in. Another common kind of thing would be tactile sensitivity, which is most closely related to your behavior. In the ears, you have little hair cells that register sound. They also help give information about movement. So loud sounds can be overwhelming to some people who have tactile sensitivities. And we do different kinds of therapies that can address touch in a way that their nervous system can become more comfortable with different kinds of touch. So 
there's no one way to work with any one person because we're all so different. And you know what? It's also not just if you have this one thing, we're going to fix that. It's really more what are the patterns of development in those individuals and what are the kinds of things that can help set them up for success so that they have positive experiences that they can grow, they can build on, not not just having somebody go in and put a Band-Aid on you and or teach you how to do your handwriting and make you all better. You know, it's, it's a process that we all of us have to learn how to do throughout our entire lives. Yeah, and seeing those three underlying systems and then knowing which one to address and then having a plan to actually develop that system is really getting down to the cause of it rather than, as you, as you mentioned, just teaching someone a skill like you know, improve your handwriting or improve some right. other particular kind of skill you have. And yeah, that rush to medication is so pervasive in our material culture. We tend to try and find the mechanical external solution. There are almost always many, many spiritual solutions, emotional solutions, mental solutions, mindset solutions, psychological solutions, behavioral solutions. There are all kinds of solutions there. And when you just start looking for them, they're abundant right, <laughs> right. and effective. Right. And, you know, it's, it's today's world is complicated. You know, everybody, not everybody, but, you know, people want a quick fix. And there are no, there are no quick fixes for development. It just, life is a process. And the more understanding you are of that as a parent or a teacher or even a physician, you can really begin to help children navigate through their life more successfully, even to the extent of, you know, too many times people think of children as little adults and they want to have long conversations with them about why they can or can't do something. And not recognizing that where that child is developmentally, that may just be going, you know, straight over their head and nobody's getting the result they need or want. So it's, you know, there's so many different levels of you know, working together as a team and really understanding the process and how the body has to grow and develop and make sense of things that, you know, that's the first step you know, for for all of it. Yes. Opinion. Right. Absolutely. You start there. We're going to a break right now, but please stay tuned. You're listening to High Energy Health. My name is Dawson Church. If you'd like to know more about Sally's work, go to her website, Sally Fryer, F-R-Y-E-R, Dietz, D-I-E-T-Z, SallyFryerDietz.com. We'll be right back after a break. Hello and welcome back to High Energy Health. I'm your host, Dawson Church. And for more on Sally's work, go to her website, sallyfriarneeds.com. Her new book is called Sensory Processing Solutions. So Sally, you mentioned the whole concept of sensory integration, and that's really an important one over here. What do you mean by that integrative piece? How does it work? What does it look like when someone has integration? What does it look like when somebody doesn't? Well, usually when we look at children who might have sensory integration dysfunction, it shows up in a problem with learning or behavior. And where a parent or a teacher might not know what's going on, but just feels like there's something that's just not quite right. Something isn't clicking the way it should 
for one reason or another. When we evaluate for sensory integration dysfunction, we never just look at a symptom by itself. We look at a whole developmental pattern and how a person approaches the world and their, you know, how they move, how they, what their motor skills look like, how they process language, you know, how they organize their thoughts, you know, all those things play into a sensory integration. What a sensory integration therapy session looks like is for children, it's very welcoming and it's very playful. So we have big sensory motor gyms that have you know, mats all over the floors with big pillows to crash in and climbing walls and zip lines and swings and tires to jump in. And I mean, you, you name it. Most kids look at that room and just, you know, beeline for something they want to do. But then there are some kids who just look at it and they are like deers in the headlights. You know, they don't they don't know what to do with it. They don't they can't organize their their bodies. So with kids, it's really very fun and engaging and looks a little bit like a play session, but there's a lot of organization that goes on behind the scenes. You know, so the first step is to do an evaluation to figure out what are the what are the sensory systems that are the strongest that are working really well? What are the ones that aren't processing information as accurately as we think they should? And then what are some of the activities that can support those weaker areas while reinforcing the positives so that the child is motivated to do more. So many of these kids are seeking out information that is not developing their their sensory motor systems accurately. And so it just as they get older and more is expected of them, we see more and more problems as a result. So every session looks different. Every person that we evaluate, you know, has a little bit different combination of things and it's all very individualized. Do you notice which parts of the environment they gravitate toward, how they're interacting with the environment? That is definitely part of it. We have a part of an evaluation that's very standardized, that looks at standardized, not, you know, educational testing, but, you know, motor skills, you know, specifically how long can you balance on one foot or skip or jump or hop or any of those kinds of things, throw a ball. And then we have more of a subjective observation of, what do they gravitate towards? What happens when they, you know, do a lot of swinging? Does it overstimulate them? Do their eyes overreact? You know, what are some of the neurologic signs that go with that? Because we can, you know, we can look at those and evaluate those and then put together really a comprehensive plan or idea of what it is that's going on with that child, as well as looking back at the whole history of their developmental milestones. You know, when did they, you know, do certain skills? How did they do them? You know, how do they make sense of the, the world, you know, those first couple of years of life, too? I'm really curious about uh, noticing their eye movements because, of course, at EMDR and EFT and quite a few somatic therapies, we watch clients' eye movements very, very carefully and just learn. In fact, there's been a fair amount of research now showing that, especially in the peripheral of vision areas, that people who are traumatized, like veterans, for example, have a lot of trouble with peripheral vision that isn't present in people who aren't traumatized. And so I'm just curious what you are looking for in those eye movements. Yeah, absolutely. We actually, well, again, we have all different things that we look at for different ages. Older, we have a tool called the DynaVision that looks specifically at peripheral vision and your response speed, how you're able to, do you see something coming from the side that you can react to without looking at it? With young children, we're looking at how do they process movement? And if you spin somebody on a swing, 
do their eyes, do you have what's called nystagmus? Does it increase and not stop very quickly or is it not present at all? That tells us how are they registering that movement. And there's different norms for different ages that are appropriate for what you would see or not see. Part of the, with the eye movement, that's what got us into concussion rehab because there's so much overlap between head injuries and sensory integration processing. Different etiology, but similar kinds of sensory integration problems that you'll see as a result of a head injury. Yeah, I remember doing one clinical trial many years ago and noticing the, the big overlap between, we, we were working with veterans, and there was a big overlap between the symptoms of concussion and head injury. So brain injury shared many common symptoms with with concussion and even with psychological trauma. So, right. you know, it's hard to, hard to determine uh, which, which was which. Right. When you even look at uh, sensory integration therapy, even though our focus is on processing sensory information, you look at that as compared to play therapy from a more psychological standpoint, those two things can look very similar, you know, maybe not quite as vigorous as what we do in, you know, physical and occupational therapy sessions, but still you're engaging children through play, which is their occupation, and helping them to, you know, organize thoughts, feelings, actions in more appropriate ways. I'd love to have you talk more about the learning system of proprioception. Most people don't give it much thought, but it's really a hugely important human skill to just right. notice what your body's saying, to you, what your body is signaling to you. And in many people, they don't have a lot of awareness of it. So some clients we talk to in psychology that will say, you know, what's going on with your body? And they'll like look bewildered. And, right. So yeah, proprioception is really kind of, you can experience it right now. If you just, if you're sitting there, close your eyes and just feel what you feel. You know, how do you know you're sitting in a chair or sitting on the floor or laying in a bed or whatever? Where do you feel that in your body? That's your proprioceptive sense that gives you that information. With children who don't have a good proprioceptive sense, there's usually an imbalance between the proprioception and the vestibular systems. What that might look like is kids who cannot sit still. It's a lot easier to move than it is to sit still. And just like my child, he was he was a real wiggler. He used to wiggle all over the place, which was a problem in his classroom. It wasn't that he really wasn't paying attention. It was because his proprioceptive sense was out of balance and he could not organize his body to stay in one place. But as soon as, you know, he was able to really integrate that and organize it, he could sit still and do things, you know, a little bit easier. It's hard to write if your body's wiggling all over the place or eat your food without spilling all over the place. So, you know, proprioception is really a very necessary and complex sense that contributes to a lot of things. It's also related to your sense of what we call interoception, which is the feeling of when you have to go to the bathroom or you're hungry or, you know, some of those internal sensations, you know, if you have a tummy ache, what does that feel like? You know, all those things, you know, can affect children and adults. And if you don't know what it is, you may not be able to process that very well. And it can be very distracting and interfere with how you again, relate to other people or learn new skills or any of those things. And so you probably, if you're listening here 
to Sally, you probably haven't given any thought to this at all. You may have your own level of proprioceptive and interoceptive awareness, and you may not have realized, gee, you know, my wife, my husband, my coworker, my parent, my <clears throat> my child may have a very different internal perception than than I do. So those assumptions we make that other people feel in their bodies the way we feel in our body can be really misleading. We're going to go to a break right now, but please stay tuned. You're listening to High Energy Health. We'll be right back after a break and we'll cover more on this fascinating subject. We'll be back again in a few moments. Hello and welcome back to High Energy Health. My name is Dawson Church. I'm so glad you're doing yourself the favor of listening to the show. I'm sure you've been fascinated as you, you've heard Sally's description of these three systems and thinking about you and about how you process the world. What is your sensory processing modality? How integrated are you? And how integrated are those three different types of processing? So this is probably giving you a lot of food for thought as to where you are right now and maybe which areas you need to pay attention to and develop as well. And again, remember the study's talking about both celebrating and reinforcing your strengths as well as noticing and addressing your weaknesses. So it's a twofold approach there. Sally, I'd love to find out what happened with your son once you began to do this work with him, how long it took, what the, what the journey was, and how it all turned out. Well, so when my journey started with him was when he was born, but really was at five when we, you know, started having those symptoms. All throughout his school years, there would be years he would do great and he would excel and there without anything. And then there would be years that he would need a little bit of extra help. And extra help by I mean by, you know, underlying just sensory, you know, experiences and different tools that helped him to organize his body more effectively. He's now 38 years old. He's the father of two beautiful little girls with a third one on the way. He's a very successful attorney. He's done great for himself. Those, you know, there were years that were just, like I said, great years. There were years that were a little bit more challenging. He uh, he went into the military for almost 10 years. That ended up being a great experience for him. You know, he was getting a lot of sensory processing at the time. Unfortunately, he did not get injured. But, you know, all that heavy work that he did was, you know, feeding his proprioceptive system. And that in its own kind of way helped to support him and, you know, continue his path. But every child is different. I, I want to impress upon these kids are not broken. It's not like there's something wrong with them. Most of the time, they're incredibly bright. They just can't, you know, at that time or certain times, you know, access that as well as they can later on. So we all have sensory glitches. You know, it's not just some do and some don't, just some have it harder than others. And you know, every child that we've worked with, and I've done this now over 40 years, so it's been a very long time, you know, in my career, but I have never seen children not do better, ever. They all do better. And even the most, you know, disabled kids with, you know, on the very far end of a, you know, if you look at a sensory spectrum, you've got children with severe autism or developmental disabilities. On the other end, you have people who are incredibly well integrated. You know, they can dance any kind of dance and climb mountains and speak three languages and do all kinds of things. And <laughs> you really look at it, there's not that many on either end, you know, but 
we're all somewhere in the middle there. And I think everybody deserves an opportunity to reach their highest potential. And nobody has a you know, magic ball to look in and say, oh, this child is going to be this when they grow up. You know, parents, we like to imagine what they might be when they grow up, but really it's going to be up to them and their nervous systems and their experiences through life, you know, where you, where you in the end, and even then you keep learning. I'm still learning. So, yes. you know, we just, we, that's the beauty of, of life and living and having that opportunity to continue to learn and grow. So you keep learning. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, mean, I think I have been doing this long enough now that I have, in fact, just this last week, I had two young ladies who came back who I hadn't seen since they were little girls and they're now adults in their twenties. And, you know, they have different things that are affecting them. And, but they came in to have some uh, therapy that we do called craniosacral therapy. It's a manual touch, you know, kind of a therapy. And, you know, they both remembered when they were kids and had, you know, received things that helped them then. And as you grow and, and develop, there's different things that can help you at different times. And it just is, for me, it's the most rewarding thing to be a part of and to get to you know, see the journey of so many people do so well. Yeah. And that curiosity and that treating life as learning adventure right. in, in the future, it is so predictive of brain health, long-term, so predictive of longevity, of cognitive ability into old age. So there are all kinds of good things that that curiosity brings you. I'm glad you're emphasizing that it's something that you can keep on learning about yourself, shifting and increasing your skill in as you, you move ahead. How does, does this apply to people who are maybe in their third act? You know, we see kids, well, we see kids, we see people throughout their entire lifespan. In fact, you know, we started with the pediatric practice. We ended up, you know, developing a whole other practice on concussion rehab because of all the similarities with the sensory integration. And then we also have a wellness practice that's kind of on that, you know, third act where we look at balance and peripheral vision and fall prevention and cognitive strengthening, you know, different exercises that you can do for your brain to keep it strong. And, you know, they're all the same things that we deal with kids. There's just a different way of doing it. We have different tools that are available, but throughout your entire life, these things are are meaningful and appropriate and useful. Yeah, one of the standard tests being administered now is that ability you mentioned earlier to stand on one leg. So if you're 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, if you're 100, <laughs> yeah. and the standard test is 10 seconds. So stand on one leg, lift the other leg, and see if you can hold that for 10 seconds each side. If so, you're in good shape. I'm so thrilled by seeing some of my friends who are in their 80s and 90s who can still do that, and it's a good overall marker for well-being. We're going to a break right now, but please stay tuned. You're listening to High Energy Health. We'll be right back after a break. Hello and welcome back to High Energy Health. Sally Dietz's book is called Sensory Processing Solutions and her website is sallyfriardietz.com. So Sally, if you put yourself now in the shoes of somebody who recognizes that either they or a loved one has these challenges, what do you recommend they start with? I think knowledge is power. 
the more you learn and keeping an open mind into different options that are available, doing your own research in terms of taking a class, experimenting with something, looking for answers, you know, talking to other people. I think, you know, keeping all your options open, also not being closed off to solutions that maybe at first seem like maybe you don't understand it. For example, saying earlier about craniosacral therapy, I when I first heard about that, it was a very light touch therapy. And as a physical therapist, I couldn't imagine how light touch could make such a big difference. But I went to take my first class back in 1995 so I could tell people why I didn't think it would work. And <laughs> this is a true story. But what I discovered was there definitely was something to it. And it really began a journey for me in learning more about what that was. And since then, you know, it's transformed our you know, practice in terms of the kinds of things that we see and the, the positive changes that we see as a result of it. So being open to things, even if you don't understand it, you know, learn more about it. There is no one, one way to fix anything. There's no quick fixes. There are lots of options, though. And I think the more empowered you are to try different things, the better. I think for certainly young children, or for somebody, you know, even someone who's had a concussion, sometimes the first step is medication. And, you know, medications can be very useful and beneficial in some cases, but if they're used too soon, then you kind of can miss an opportunity for some deeper healing maybe to take place without them. You know, certainly with young children, in my opinion, I think it's better for children to be able to develop their own neural pathways if they're able to do that. and you know, to do that first before we start adding different you know, neurostimulants to support a, an underdeveloped nervous system. What the effects are going to be long term and what might maybe suppress as a result. I'm just intrigued by one study I read about two years ago showing that dopamine rises up to 65% in the brains of meditators. So we sit there, mm -hmm. meditate, meditate effectively, and we have an enormous rise in this reward chemical in our, our brains. So, I mean, like for, you know, for Parkinson's in which dopamine deficiency is, is a huge issue, meditate. <laughs> yeah, meditation is huge. In fact, even with our little kids that we work with, we do incorporate, you know, deep breathing and different breathing kinds of exercises that really help kids who maybe don't understand the concept of meditation yet, but they are meditating in a sense of, you know, being able to get into a deeper sense of, of relaxation and, and doing things. And, you know, I think, again, there's so many different ways to help support the body, mind and spirit. And, you know, having options and learning about them is the first step. So look for solutions, look for answers, keep, be open, be curious. And just the act of being open and curious is likely to sensitize you to possible solutions. And then when you're having people look for those solutions, what are some of the others that maybe they wouldn't consider initially or may not be the first place they turn? In terms of therapies yep. that we would do. So, you know, the craniosacral therapy is one of them. We, def we definitely have a lot more people know about it now. So we see way more for, for craniosacral therapy, but we have other things like interactive metronome is a new tool or listening programs that use headphones and different sounds and music uh, that can help support the nervous system and your learning and attention and focus. There's different you know, kinds of feeding therapies for kids who have trouble with feeding. We have you know, just a variety of different tools at our disposal that, that can be useful in therapeutic settings. 
that may be, you know, that can be woven into a regular treatment plan. Again, you know, there's no one prescription for this is what everybody needs to do. It just depends on what are the issues and, you know, what do we do need to do to really help support, you know, the whole person. Yeah, I'm thinking back to many years ago when I was running a study on cortisol and we were measuring heart rate variability. And the way we measured it, we hooked people up to a, an ear and a hand measure measurement system and fed that into a computer. And people looked at a laptop screen and had to like make flowers bloom in this natural scene and make birds sing. And so during one of the breaks, I, I hooked up my kids who were like, one was eight, one was four. And I said, okay, make the birds sing. And Sally, they could just do it. Yeah. Like beautiful brain waves. They just have these, these beautiful brain waves and amazing heart coherence levels. Uh, just instantly, they were just playing a game and right. able to use that to induce, I mean, peak heart coherence in seconds. So <laughs> I think sometimes some of these gifts that we're born with get trained out of us, you know, because of being in situations where you're not understood, maybe when you're young. Yeah. So keep on learning. And even if you've heard the story about yourself many, many, many times before, question it and don't necessarily accept that the limitation is one you will always have. And just in the last few moments, I'd love to hear, Sally, what you personally are exploring, working on, what where your curiosity is taking you next. Oh, gosh, I, you know, I'm at that stage where I'm getting close to 70. And I spending more time in nature and creating and experiencing and giving back and, you know, all the same things that I've always done. I love what I do and I keep doing what I'm doing, but just, you know, continuing my own personal growth and development and how I can help others. Absolutely. It's something so worth doing. And that journey never ends. There's always right. another horizon, another interest. Well, I'm so grateful for the your heart and your head, both, and the way you bring <laughs> all this wisdom, as well as all this love to bear, both with your own two sons and also with all the people you work with. I'm so grateful for your work. And again, if you'd like to learn more about Sally's work, go to her website, sallyfriardeeds.com. Her book is called Sensory Processing Solutions. You've been listening to High Energy Health. My name is Dawson Church. I love sharing with you week by week. Please come back next week for the next episode and bookmark this site. Come back here week after week. We also have an archive of over 200 shows. Go there and browse. There are many amazing resources there and share them with your friends. Till next week, till next time, be healthy, be happy, love yourself and all the best. <music>